Let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, we talked last week about uh, religion or relationship, and the question is, do we know Him? Do we have that relationship? We, as human beings, we kind of prefer religion, because it's, it's spelled out, it's easier, it's not, it doesn't really get us there, but we think that it's easier, but it's not. But relationship with God through Jesus is where eternal life truly is. And we saw last week that the, the, uh, ba- uh, John the Baptist's disciples and the Pharisees, they're all about this legalistic religion, and there really wasn't much joy found there, not much relationship there. They were missing out, and really the joy comes in knowing Him, and the peace comes in knowing Jesus, and, and the hope comes in Him. But so often we prefer the old way, don't we? The old is better. If we could just go back to the old way of doing things. But God wants to do something new, and I think Bob was kind of referring to it too. Though we've been here 20 years, it's like something new is happening. It's like a brand new page in the, in the history of, of who we are, and, and uh, there's something new. But I think in our lives, too, that we go through these seasons where God wants it are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded. They're like, loosen up a little bit, relax and follow me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do something. And so we see a lot of good things, a lot of new things that are happening in, in us and in our lives. But this is eternal life, Jesus said, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's what eternal life is. Let's pick it up where we left off, verse 18. If we could turn this down just a hair, please. While he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him. While he was saying those things that about you know doing new things and, and uh, re- relationship over religion... It says that a ruler came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. This man came and and, and we see through this chapter and and, and, and in previous accounts as well that, that there are people that just had needs and they kept coming to Jesus. Well, I, I want to say that this morning, is that where, that's where we need to come. We need to bring our needs to Jesus. And that's what this particular person did, this synagogue ruler. His name was Jairus. He knew where to turn. He knew where to go. Now, we've been looking in the Gospel of Matthew, and we see that Jesus has authority over nature. He has authority over the devil and the demonic forces. He has authority over sin. He has authority over all sickness. But now, we look at this, and and we see that, that we're talking about death here now. We're talking about death, and, and Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 15 that death is the last enemy. The final enemy, the one that, that, you know, is this is it. This is it. I was listening to Billy Graham this morning on the way in, and, and I like to catch him before I come in, and he was talking, you know, that, that you know, once we get to that, that last time, and, and that's it. When we get to that last, those last few, uh, you know, days and hours, that we're going to stand before Almighty God. This is, the, this is the last enemy that we face. 
What can Jesus do? Well, this man, he believed that Jesus could do something. Look at verse 19. Jesus got up and he went with him. And so did his disciples. So that was probably pretty encouraging to him, don't you think? You know, he went and talked to Jesus. He had this need, his daughter, you know, and, and, and Jesus, it says that he got up and he went with him. And I would say, wow, yeah, now I've got some hope. Now I've got some, something that, you know, I've got Jesus coming along with me and, and that's really going to make the difference in, in my life and in the life of my daughter. But verse 20 says, just then, just when, when Jesus was on the way to go and help this man and his daughter, just then it says a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. Just then there's this other need, more needs. Everywhere you turn there's needs, and I think it's true in this life as well. Everywhere you turn there's some kind of need. Can Jesus handle them all? Well, no, he can only handle one need at a time. So if he's helping you and your need, certainly he can't help me and my need, right? Wrong. He can handle them all, and that's what we see here in this chapter, and that's what we see in the Bible, that Jesus can handle them all. We can't seem to understand, like, you know, if I was there and this woman comes up and this thing's happening now with the woman, I'm thinking, no, Jesus, we, can't, we don't have time to stop now. We need to keep going, right? This is what we call an interruption. This is what we call a distraction from what I think Jesus should do, right? And Jesus says, no, I, I, you know, I can handle this. I can deal with this, and, and he certainly is able to do it. This particular woman, it says that she had suffered for 12 years. 12 years she had suffered. In the, in the case of the Jairus, the synagogue ruler, his daughter was 12 years old and then had this problem, got sick, and died. So, But this woman had been suffering this whole 12 years that this girl was alive, the whole time that she was alive. It says in Mark, in the parallel account, it says that she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. But when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She had suffered a great deal, 12 years. She, she went to the answers in this life. Do we go to the world and what the world has to say? Blessed is a man who does not worse. And maybe you and I, we get to those places where we've tried everything that this world has to offer. We've tried everything that we can think of. We've spent all the money that we have. But Jesus is our last hope. And this is where we need to go. That's what this woman did. She came to Jesus, just like the synagogue ruler did. He came to Jesus. She came to Jesus. Because she believed that he could do something. She said, if, in verse 21, look at, she says, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. She believed if she touched Jesus, if she went up to Jesus, there was something about this man that could do something for her in her life. And, you know, we read the, these accounts in the Gospels. These are not just stories. These are accounts of the fact that that Jesus did do something in the lives of these people. And I believe with all my heart that he can do something in our lives as well. 
Verse 22, it says, Jesus turned and he saw her. And listen to these words. He says, take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed. He says, take heart, daughter. He calls her with this term of endearment. She went to Jesus. Mark says that she was freed from her suffering from that moment on. We've seen earlier in the gospel the faith of the centurion. Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. In Mark chapter 10, there's a a blind man who comes to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus said these words, go, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The ten lepers who came to Jesus got healed and one came back. And Jesus said to him, and he came and fell at Jesus' feet. He says, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. You see, it says here too, he says, your faith has healed you. And you're going to kind of follow me and, and walk with me through this, because I know there's, there's questions about this, but faith in Jesus Christ is very, a very powerful thing. And what is faith but trust? Do you trust him? Do you rely on him? When the... The, when you read all the accounts put together about this particular um, uh, account with the ruler, it says that when the ruler first came to Jesus, his daughter was very, very ill. And along the way, perhaps during this interruption that we just talked about, his daughter died. Word came to the centurion, don't bother Jesus anymore. The daughter, your daughter is dead. It's too late. It's too late. But what did Jesus say? He says, it says that he ignored, ignoring what they said, Jesus told this man, he said, don't be afraid, just believe. I love those words, and I think those are words for every one of us. Don't be afraid, just believe. When it looks like it's too late, when it looks like there's no hope whatsoever, when it looks like nothing can be done, go to Jesus Christ and believe in Him. Hold on to Him. No matter what others say, it says He ignored what those people said. No matter how we feel, so often we, we try to go by what we feel. No matter what the circumstances dictate, He says, don't be afraid, just believe. No matter what circumstances in life are, He wants us to not be afraid. I think we are, we are all we're all very prone to fear. If you go to a, a concordance which tells you, you know, every listing of every word in the Bible and you do a, a, a count of all the times that the word fear and afraid and fearful is used, it's in the hundreds of occurrences. Why is that? Because you and I, we're prone to fear. Have you ever faced fear? Do you know what it's like to fear in this life? Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Look at verse 23. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and he saw the flute players and the noisy crowd. Now those flute players, they weren't just um, you know, playing because they liked music. They were actually hired to come in and wail and mourn. It says, he said, go away. The girl is not dead but asleep, but they laughed at him. They were hired to come in and 
And that's what you would do. And if you had a lot, if you were very well off, you'd have a whole bunch of uh, people and a whole bunch of uh, musicians to come in and wail and mourn. And it was very noisy here. Perhaps this man had, uh, you know, the resources to hire all these people. But what did he say to them? He fired them. He said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed. They laughed and mocked. But what did they know about Jesus Christ? What did they know? What does the world know about Jesus Christ? What does this you know, system of world that we live in, the worldview, uh, think about Jesus Christ. In Psalm 1, it says these words, and in, in the very first psalm, in the very first verse, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Where do we go to find out, to, to, to get our counsel, to find the way, to find the answers in this life? Do we go to the world and what the world has to say? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's what, what uh, she was talking about. That woman is my wife, by the way, just so some of you don't know. She hit me. Um, <laughs> To, to meditate on the Word of God, that changes our complete our worldview, what we think, how we think in this life. We're doing this study, you know, good fight, the good fight, discipleship, and and uh, you know, one of the things that we we believe is that we need to be in God's Word every day. If you want to find answers, when you get to the places like these people were at, and you you want to know. If Jesus is there with you, if you want to know what he has to say about a situation, open up the Bible. But get into it every day, not just when you have a problem, not just when you have a need, but open it up every single day. That's what you and I are called to do. One of the, one of the we call them the founding fathers of our, of our good fight group, is, is that Jesus said to those who believed him, he says, to the, he says if you are truly my disciples... He said, you will abide in my word. You will remain in my word. And then he says these words that we all know. We quote them, but we don't quote the beginning part. He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We know those words. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But the first part of the, that passage says that to those people who believed him, to those who, he says, if you are truly my disciples, if you are truly my disciples, you will abide in my word. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We, we want to know the truth. Well, well this, it's found here. We talk about having, I was thinking about it this morning, you know, we talk about having this relationship with God and knowing Him and, and Him. You know, we, we talk back and forth. Well, not many of us, uh, myself, I don't hear voices. Just, just want to assure you. I don't hear voices, right? But, but I hear God speaking to me through His Word. And, you know, we, it's not a one-way street where, you know, we just do all the talking to God and then, you know, he'll take care of it. No, but he, ha he talks back to us, too. But primarily, though he can speak through voices, right? 
But primarily, he has spoken already, and he's spoken to us through his word, and I find that he can speak to us very powerfully through his word. These words that I've quoted to you, don't be afraid, just believe. Those are his words. And God can use those in your life. Don't be afraid, just believe. Verse 25 says that after the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. And news of this spread through all that region. It says that she got up. She had been dead. She was dead. She was not asleep. Jesus was using that term just like she, he used it about Lazarus. Lazarus was definitely dead, and she was dead. She came from death to life, and Jesus has the power over death, the last enemy. Our two biggest enemies in this life are sin and death, and Jesus forgives sin, and Jesus conquers death. She got up. It says the word went all through that region. From there, look at verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, more needs. Two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Where else could they go? There was no clinic they could go to. There was no help they could get. And they said to him, Have mercy on us, son of David. And this word, son of David, this term is the term for Messiah, who would surely come. And some of the prophecies about Messiah would be that he would open the eyes of the blind. So they're saying to him, Son of David. It says in verse 28, When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe? Do you believe that I am able to do this? I find it interesting. It wasn't before the crowds. It wasn't in a big stadium. It wasn't in a giant arena. But he went indoors in the quietness of this home between them and him. And he says to them, do you believe that I am able? Do you believe that I am able? And and perhaps that question is for you and I as well today. Do we believe that he is able in every circumstance of our lives that he is able? Do we believe? He said, don't be afraid. Just believe. What did they say? They said, yes. Yes, Lord, they replied. And then he touched their eyes, and he said these words, According to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. According to your faith, it will be done to you. According to your trust in Jesus Christ. Do you see the recurring theme here about this idea of faith? Do Do you notice how this keeps coming up again and again? And I quoted some of the other verses about that as well. To come to Jesus, number one. To come to him, number one. Number two is to trust him. It's still the same challenge of today that we would come to Jesus Christ, but that we would trust him, that we would have faith in him. This is, I want to say this and and, and follow me with this. This is a great spiritual principle that God responds and and our faith has something to do with our relationship with him and, and what happens in this life. The problem, of course, these so-called faith healers, and some of you have seen them on TV, some of you have have seen them in person, 
They have caused all kinds of, you know, different misunderstandings. Many of them have false motives. Again, they would have the arena and they would walk away and get into their Lear jets to fly to their, you know, uh, multi-million dollar homes, um, more than one home, yachts, all these different things. And, and you see the motive, you know, isn't quite you know, quite what it should be, obviously. And you hear these kinds of, you know, things that you're not healed because you didn't have enough faith. Well, what's, what they're doing is they're covering themselves, right? Because, because uh, they seem to have enough faith to pay for all those things that they bought, right? But they have left God out of the equation. But, but there is still a spiritual principle here because it is repeated over and over in the Bible that according to your faith, Will it be done to you? According to your faith. We, because of, because of you know, the actions and the false motives of some, we can't, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. God is still calling us today to have faith in Him and in His Son, Jesus Christ. But I want to add this as well. Like I said, they left God out of the equation. And and the the point is that we also need to submit to his will and his authority. We trust him no matter what he decides to do. And and what happens in these other kinds of situations that you have, you end up having faith in your faith. And you know what? That does not get us very far, I have to tell you. Having faith in faith doesn't get us very far. We have faith in God. There's an object to our faith. And God is sovereign, and God makes decisions, and God decides what He wants to do in every situation. And so we need to submit to that. But we still need to have faith in Him. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 for the definition of faith. Faith is not necessarily a very natural thing, is it? Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Um, and Hebrews chapter 11 is what they call the hall of faith. Just like the, you know, we have the, the hall of fame for all the different sports. This is the hall of faith. Because these were people who believed and had faith in God and what God was doing. Look at verse 1, though. He says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith isn't seeing. Faith isn't going by just what we see. But, you know, we have this saying, seeing is believing, but it's, that's not faith, is it? Faith is believing is seeing. According to your faith. Those words of doubting Thomas, why was he called doubting Thomas? Because he, he didn't have a whole lot of faith. And what did Thomas say? Do you remember? Well, let's turn back to John 20 because I want you to read those words. John chapter 20, but keep your hand in, in Hebrews because we're going to go back to 1 Peter in a minute. But John chapter 20, we all know about doubting Thomas, but look at his words. In verse 25 through 31, 
Thomas, it says in verse 24, he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. He didn't see the Lord after he had risen from the dead. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, and look at these words carefully, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Unless I see, I will not believe. Well, that's not faith, is it? That's not faith. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my, st- into my side. He said, Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. By believing, by having faith. Jesus, he certainly got on Thomas's case, right? He didn't say, you know what? It's okay. No, he said, you, you know, you, you need to trust me. You need to believe. You need to have faith in me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let's go back to Hebrews, and, and I want you to turn ahead a little bit to First uh, Peter chapter 1. So that would be Hebrews, James, and then First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8. He says, though, in this whole, this whole context before, he's talking about trials. He said, though you have not seen him. Actually, let's, let's, read, uh, let's read from verse 6 because the context is very important. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You see, the trials come along and our faith is tested. But look at verse 8. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Even though you don't see him, you love him. Even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and fill with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's what I want. It comes through faith. It doesn't come through seeing him. It comes through trusting in him, putting our faith in him. Over and over and over in the Bible, we see that God says to you and to me, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust in me, trust me. Do you trust in him? Are you walking through this life with faith in him or, or, or the, the things that the world has to say? Well, unless I see, are you like Thomas? 
Sometimes I've been like that too. Unless I see, I'm not going to believe. I will not believe, he said. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's what I want. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 9, verse 30. They came to Jesus, these blind men. Verse 29, it says, He touched their eyes. He said, According to your faith, it will be done to you, and their sight was restored. And Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this, but they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. Jesus did a a, a fantastic miracle in their lives, and they they had faith. They believed that he was able to do something in their situation. And and you and I are, are challenged by that. Do we believe that he's able to walk with us, to work in us, to do something in our situations? And he's calling us to trust him. And, and they did that. And a you know, miraculous thing occurred. Their sight was restored. Incredible. But Jesus told them not to go out. He didn't want to create this big stir, right? His time had not yet come. And he told them not to go tell everyone. But it says they went out and did it anyways. And that's kind of an interesting thing. Jesus told them, you know, don't do this, and they went out and did it anyways. What do we call that? Disobedience. Disobedience. Well, yeah, but they had every right to disobey. No, they didn't have every right to disobey. Not only do we need to have faith, but we also need to have obedience. Faith and obedience work together, right? Trust him, and he does wonderful things, but we need to obey him as well. And while they were going out, verse 32, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. And the crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Jesus, again, he, he took authority over the demonic realm. But we see these two reactions says the crowd was amazed. They had wondered. You know, nothing has ever been seen like this in Israel. They came to Jesus. Je- Jesus was, was faithful to help them to work in their lives. But the Pharisees, look at their attitude. You know, they, they said it's by the prince of demons. In other words, he's driving out demons with Satan's help is what he's saying. What they are saying. Later on in chapter 12, uh, when we get to that passage, we're, we're going to see that Jesus calls this the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You want to know what that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is? He calls it the unpardonable sin. We're going to get to that. He, he gives us all the, the explanation and the, and the teaching there in chapter 12. But these men, they were as blind as could be. What's our response? That's the question. Do we trust in him? That verse in, in chapter 20 of John, that these things are written that, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. These things that we're reading about today, these things were written so that you and I would believe and, and have trust, have faith, 
have hope in this life and have eternal life in His name. So where do we go for help? Where do these people go for help? Psalm 121 says, Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's where we go. That's where we go. I want to turn to one more passage back in Hebrews. I should have told you to keep your, a marker back there. But Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6 and in uh, verse 18. These are some of my favorite verses in the book of, of uh, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. God had given a promise and God had confirmed it with an oath. These two things, a promise and an oath. In verse 18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, His promise and His oath, it's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. See that what he says there? We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us, we may be greatly encouraged and we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. This faith and hope in our Savior Jesus Christ. I like the picture that we've fled to him There was nowhere else to go. We have run to him knowing that the only hope is in Jesus Christ. And this hope is an anchor for the soul. I think often of our our flag here, the state flag, and what does it say? It's a picture of an anchor. And what does it say? Hope. I have not been able to find, and maybe some of you have been able to find, you know, the connection of how how that all came about. But it seems pretty clear in my mind that the person that came up with that was thinking about this, these verses here. I wouldn't say it's very prevalent in Rhode Island at the moment. But our hope is in Jesus Christ, and this hope is an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. Let me just close with a couple of quotes about faith. George Muller was a, a man in England who ran orphanages and he just believed in the power of prayer and he would pray. And he wouldn't tell anybody even about the needs of the ministry that he was running, feeding all these children. And he would just pray. And it's amazing. You can read his story that God just provided over and over and over again. He trusted in God that God would provide. And over and over, God provided everything that they needed, the food, everything. But he said this, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Faith begins where man's power ends. And Elizabeth Elliot said these words, true faith goes into operation when there are no answers. Where do we go for help? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the psalmist says. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you this morning and we are just sinners and we're human and our faith is weak so often, but but we come to you this morning and we say, Lord, Lord, we come to you, the maker of heaven and earth. And we humble ourselves before you and, and we trust you that you are 
powerful. You have authority over all things. And we put our trust in you in this life, not in the things of this world, but in you. I do not know what every trial, what every need is here in this room, Lord, but you know every single person, every trial, every need, every victory, every failure. But you simultaneously can work in every situation and helping us through every one of those situations. You can bring healing. You can bring miraculous recovery if, if you so desire it. But you are the only one who can do those things. And so we come to you in humble submission. But the point is, Lord, we come to you. We come to you and we put our faith and our trust. and We re rely upon you and your love this morning. Help us, Lord, as we go through this life that we would always, always come to you no matter what we feel, no matter what the world says, no matter the circumstances, no matter what people say, no matter what the, the mockers or the, the people that are wicked say, we come to you and we put our trust completely and totally in you and what you did for us. The cross, Calvary, that you were buried, that you rose from the dead, you suffered upon that cross to defeat sin and you rose from the dead to conquer death. The two greatest enemies we have and as we trust you, you give us victory over both of those things. We thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord, in this life. In Jesus' name, amen.